1: Damian Lillard is going to go under the knife. Who knows how long he will be out and who knows what this will mean for the Blazers. Not this season. I'm almost saying forget about this season. Let's find out and talk about what it means for the future, because this could be a blessing in disguise. I am Aaron Fentress of the Oregonian and Oregon Live, and this is the Blazer Focus Podcast. And today on this breaking news day for the Blazers, I am joined by the former bl- voice of the Blazers, Brian Wheeler, the former play-by-play guru, who has taken the time to meet with or to talk with me today on a day of all days. I mean, we agreed to do the podcast, and then there's breaking news to talk about. Brian, how excited are you to be here to, to hack this out with me?
0: Yeah, I noticed. Day hey, you didn't uh, you didn't call me when uh, you know Damian was getting named to the All NBA team or something. Uh, <laughs> you, 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 you put me on a day that is uh, has, uh, has got some uh, interesting things to talk about that certainly uh, could have a uh, profound effect on the uh, present and future of this franchise. That's for sure.
1: Absolutely. Like I mean, now this this was pretty much believed to be something that was coming. Chauncey Billups said. Last week, that they were going to have a meeting of the minds among those within the Blazers organization. Uh, this week, actually, they have a conversation this week about what to do about Lillard, and on the table that he, you know, confirmed was surgery and or him just sitting out for a long period of time. Uh, given the fact that they're already, you know, I think they're tenth right now, but they were twelfth at the time in the Western Conference. They weren't playing well when he was playing, the COVID issues. And then, of course, um, McCullum has been out for over a month with a collapsed lung. It almost became like, well, why wouldn't you have surgery and sit out this season and just let the season waste away? And so this news is not surprising at all. All, all of us who cover the team, I know we've, we've been talking about it for like a week and a half. And um, I've talked to sources during this time who have said that, yeah, this is more than likely where things were going to go. Um, so here we are. Are you surprised at all that they're taking this this turn with this uh, this injury?
0: No, it certainly seemed like this is where uh, where things were headed, as, as you said. It's it's kind of just uh, uh, puzzling, though, that this is something that uh, it's not a new uh, situation for Damien. But uh, apparently it's a new uh, it's a new strategy to, to get it healed once and for all. Uh, so it's uh, I'm sure frustrating to him that uh, it's uh, it hasn't been something that he's been able to shake and probably uh, has something to do with maybe him not, uh, performing up to his, uh, his own personal high standards, uh, at least, uh, the early part of the season when he was, uh, uh, just not shooting the ball as well as he normally, uh, normally had been. Um, and he's obviously been a you know durable player. And so it's frustrating for him not to be able to play. I'm sure of that, especially when his team clearly could use him, but, uh, gosh, if you're Chauncey Billets, you have to be thinking, what did I get myself into here? I mean, (laughs) you know, I I, I thought this was going to be a great opportunity and I've lost, uh, you know, my, uh, two, two leading scorers here. I've got, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of COVID interruptions, which every team has had to deal with, I guess, to some extent, uh, which, which, which obviously is permeated through his coaching staff as well. He's lost, uh, a president of basketball operations, a president of, uh, of business operations, uh, which I, I don't think I've ever heard of a team having both those, uh, th- those, those type of, uh, uh, leaders, uh, go within the same week, essentially in the same season. So it's been very, very strange. And, uh, as he tries to you know, kind of, uh, uh, navigate his way through his first NBA season as a head coach. It's uh, it has uh, been certainly an adventurous one, and this uh, just adds to uh, uh, to kind of the uh, you know the, the 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 tough waters that he's had to try to get through. But uh, but I think uh, yeah, something I think of they thought was coming, and probably uh, all things considered, is the best thing that can be done. And uh, if he comes back, and there's still some season to play for, um which uh, these six to eight week timeline, if that's correct. Would certainly indicate that there would still be some season left. So, so maybe there's still something left there for him to accomplish this season. But, uh, but I'm sure it's frustrating for Damien. At the same time, it's probably uh, at least good news that this is you know this is finally the route they're going to take, and hopefully we'll take care of this problem once and for all.
1: Well, I have it on good authority that uh, Ups is going to leave coaching and join the Bloomingdale's employee training program. <laughs> Anyone who follows Seinfeld will get that joke. I, actually, it was executive <laughs> training program. My fault. Yes. Uh, Kramer
0: I got it. I got it. Billups'
1: parents are very, very much in favor of this for uh, <laughs> Jerry Billups because clearly this coaching thing is not working out. Now, I did joke with him though. I was like, dude, you're getting off to like one of the weirdest starts in the history of coaching to go through all the things you just listed and have your star player be out and then your second best player collapse lung and then the whole COVID thing. And it's just, it's just been madness. Now, you, you brought up, you know, the abdomen issue and, and, whether it's new or old. So last year, he got hit with this early in the season. And what he said was is that in the past, he'd had it numerous times. It would hit early in training camp. And then after a couple of weeks, it would subside and go away for the most part. Last year, because he had a shortened training camp because of COVID and the, and the season was all squished together, the normal part of, the, of, of training camp, when it would start to go away, bled into the season and so he was dealing with it during the season and then he was able, but he was ultimately able to manage it for the most part uh as we know this year however he hasn't been able to manage it and it's just been coming and going and coming and going now what's crazy is you know they were 10 and 8 at one point on November 3rd and even though he wasn't playing well he had just started to play well at that point but the first you know 14 games he was not playing well and then they go on a trip which included losses at Golden State in Utah. And that's when he started feeling again. They shut him down for five games. They go one and five. During that time is when McCollum uh, gets the collapsed lung. Then Lillard comes back. He's a little rusty. He took the cortisone shot. And then he starts figuring it out. Like he starts looking like the Lillard of old. And then the COVID hits. And so now he's out there without any size, without CJ, without Nurk, et cetera, et cetera. And they lose those three games, including the one at L.A. And then the calendar turns to 2022 and boom, he's on the shelf again. And that's when it starts being, okay. like, what are we going to do now? Me personally, at that at that moment, when they were sitting at uh, 14, uh, 13 and 22, I'm thinking this season is done. The best you're going to do is maybe get into the play in. But what does that get you? You know, even if you squeeze into the playoffs, this team's going to lose in the first round. So it almost seemed like to me, and I want to get your opinion on this, like in a lot of ways, this is a blessing in disguise because without him, they're going to continue to tumble. I don't think there's any doubt about that, regardless of the fact they just went three and two without him, that's not going to hold up. I don't believe with this young roster. But if you have a horrible season and you get a top five pick, now you're either going to have a young kid you can draft to play with game after you make a bunch of moves at the deadline, or you're going to flip that pick into another star player. And now you could trade for a star player at the deadline and trade for one on draft day. And now you have a much better team around Lillard moving forward. What do you think about that plan?
0: Well, all of that makes uh, makes uh, perfect sense, uh, except for the fact that, uh, I, you know, we don't totally know what is the uh, stance of the ownership of, uh, in terms of uh, what what do they want to see happen going forward? I mean, uh, is 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 Jody Allen? And since she won't talk to anybody uh, publicly, <laughs> we don't we don't really know. I mean, how committed is she to you know to being uh, the owner of this franchise moving forward? I mean, does she does she want to uh, get into a potential re if it's not rebuilding at least a retooling phase uh, where you're going to you know still have some uh, players in their prime or at least uh, maybe at the edge of their prime if you're talking about uh, about Damian and and possibly Uh, You know, CJ or uh, Nurkic, uh, who knows what happened with him being an impending free agent. You've got a a general manager and Joe Cronin, who uh, it appears is going to have every opportunity to try to keep this job. But, uh, uh, but how much you know flexibility has he been given to go make deals uh, without knowing that this job is going to be his long term? Uh, So, I, I just, uh, it's kind of hard to say, uh, you know, without knowing what the master plan is long term. um, You know, is everybody on the same page as to what uh, what's going to happen from here? So. Uh, without knowing that, I think we're all kind of guessing as to what, uh, what the best strategy is. Uh, you know, now some things they've been, you know, has been, their hands have been forced in some ways, obviously, with the, the decision to uh, have this uh, surgery for Damien. But, uh, um, but does it put them in a position where they're still trying to make something out of the season? Do they have an owner that still wants to try to make the playoffs under any circumstances? Uh, because that's just, uh, you know, what, uh, what her brother always felt. Uh, and, and maybe she's thinking the same thing. But since she won't talk to anybody, it's hard to tell what what she is thinking. So I I think it's just a it's a real guessing game to try to figure out uh, is everybody on the same page and uh, and uh, are the people making the decision today the same ones that will be making the decision in a few months when uh, you get to an off season or you get to a potential uh, uh, spot where you're looking at the draft and uh, looking at uh, pieces to add for uh, for next season and beyond.
1: Definitely, all great points, especially the idea of who's going to be around uh later and then how much that shapes what decisions they make now we don't know what's going to happen with with Joe Cronin obviously the blazers are not in a hurry to find a permanent gm and or name him as permanent gm they could have done either thing in the last however it's been many weeks it's been since that all went went with down with old shit that was in the November right early December so that's been over that's been a month already yeah. um, and there's there's no talk of them even starting a search so Clearly, they you know they made it clear. Uh, Dwayne Hankins made it clear to the new president that you know Cronin was going to get a shot to to sort of do his thing. He believed he was going to get a shot to do his thing and sort of see where that leads the Blazers. Now he and Billups made it clear that they're on the same page in terms of reshaping the roster and the types of players they value. So it seemed like at the very least you had those two in lockstep, which is obviously imperative. If that's the case, and I'm Billups then I want Cronin around because I'm already working well with him unless I feel like someone else is just going to be better at completing deals and attracting free agents or whatever. But if, if ownership at all is saying, no, we want you to make the playoffs, no matter what, then ownership needs to be fired. Can you do that? (laughs) Is there there an avenue to do that? Because so let me, let's go back to 15, 16 after Aldridge left. The sky was falling people were freaking out and I'll never, I went on. Talking ball with Dwight and I, I can't remember who else was on there. And I said, "Listen, the plan is simple. You stink this year. You get a top five pick. Then you're gonna have a bunch of cap space. You just need CJ or Myers Leonard to hit one of those two. Has to end up being a legit player. And then boom, you're on your way to being back in the playoffs again by the the following year, 1617. As it turned out, they went out and made the playoffs in 1516, even though Vegas had them at 21, uh, the over under 21 games. Had they just had a bad season as they should have on paper. They could have ended up with Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, or Ben Simmons. Instead, they're talking. You know, they're trying to trade for Ben Simmons maybe now. But then you have set yourself up for the future. Now, of course, no one ever wants to you know use the taboo word tank. But had they quote unquote tanked that year, they would have changed the trajectory of the franchise. So that's why I'm saying now, when you don't even need to tank, it's happening for you. Like the the, the the stars are aligning. Your very best player got off to a horrible start and has an abdomen issue that's going to knock him out. Your second best player just had a collapsed lung. Your third best player is in COVID right now. You're a mess. Why even mess around with the idea, even trying to make the playoffs? What could possibly be the benefit in doing that when we all know The league's about star power. The Blazers have trouble attracting stars. A top five pick either leads you to drafting one or trading for one, unless you take Bagley over Luca. You know, things like that happen. Uh, So, like, tell me from your perspective, what would be the value in making the playoffs this season and ruining that opportunity?
0: Well, you know, I I, I think I always get a little nervous about uh, even developing a habit, even if it's going to be just a temporary one of of losing, Uh, losing with the hope you're going to be winning long-term. I understand the logic. I understand the, uh, the hope of what, uh, what can be done. And you'll have opportunities that maybe you wouldn't have if you, you know, and everybody always says, you don't want to be in the middle. You know, you don't want to be, uh, you know, a team that is, 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 is okay. You, you want to be either a really, really good team or a team that's bad because if you're, if you're, if you're bad, then you have the better opportunity to, uh, to have the uh, resources to get to, to, get to good. And, and with basketball being a, the sport that has five guys on the t- on the floor at any one time, it's the easiest sport to kind of get better quickest. I think of, 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 any of the, any of the four major ones anyway. So, so I, I get all the logic with that. Um, I just think it's kind of an interesting thing. That's uh, I I, just, I don't know if your franchise wants to get in the habit of, uh, of trying to, uh, I mean, there's obviously no guarantees that you can always make the right pick when you have a, uh, you know, draft picks to, you know, to choose from and so forth. And again, it, it comes down to, if you're Joe Cronin, you know, uh, and then we don't know what he's been told. You know, has, has he been told that go ahead, make the moves that you feel are, are necessary to try to make the best that you can out of this season? So with the trade deadline less than a month away, is he looking at it as, well, I've got uh, impending free agents like Nurkic and Covington. Uh, these are guys that potentially mean something to other clubs, uh, especially Covington is playing better lately. Uh, so do I move these guys and just try to get something for them that uh, will, uh, again, be assets, uh, be it draft choices or whatever that I can use in the offseason. Uh, maybe it frees up some more cap space, uh, potentially. Uh, and I'm am I making those moves, and I don't really want to get somebody that helps us now. I really just want to, uh, you know, continue to put us in the best position to have a very productive off season. So I, I don't know, you know, and if you're Joe, you know, you're thinking, uh, well, I got to do something probably to, uh, to at least, uh, you know, give the, give the assurance that, I'm the right guy for this, for this job. Does that mean he has to, you know, make a deal that's a, that's a clear cut winner for the Blazers? Uh, you know, what, what, what is he going to be judged by when it, when it comes right down to it? You know, so, and I also think that becomes something that we don't know about. Now, you know, when people are talking about trying to go on and get somebody like Danny Ainge, well, Danny Ainge, uh, and, and people of his ilk that uh, have that kind of experience are going to be a more, um, costly proposition to attract as a, uh, as a potential a general manager, president of basketball operations type guy than Joe Cronin would. So if you're if you're an owner and you're getting this for the long haul, then, okay, if you're going after those type of people that have that kind of experience and are going to command those kind of salaries, then that means that, okay, you probably are going to be, uh, you thinking you're going to be the owner for a while. If you are just looking to kind of keep uh, uh, things uh, stable to whatever degree you can, well, then you probably make the decision to bring in somebody that won't cost as much uh, not ne- not saying that he's not necessarily the best choice too but joe's obviously not going to cost as much as a uh, danny Ainge type would so i think maybe we learn a lot based on what uh is done with that front office position as to potentially it's maybe it's a little hint as to what uh jody is thinking about her status long term as uh as owner of this franchise so there's just so many and it's, it's a great soap opera it should really be a reality show because there's just <laughs> so much that's uh that that, that that has been unanswered and i think so much that uh you know, we can get little hints, and I just don't know if we're going to have any specific, uh, um, you know, real uh, answers. So I think we're going to have to do a lot of guessing still as to what, what some of these things mean. But but I think, uh, you know, the trade deadline will probably be the first uh, uh, revelation as to maybe where things are going. And then, uh, you know, then maybe we go from there as to as to uh, getting some other answers for where things are going to happen uh, for the offseason and, and beyond. But uh, but it's just a, it's a very interesting time to be a Trailblazer fan, that's for sure.
1: Absolutely, I, you know it's. You bring up a lot of good points. Um, you're being more uh, cerebral and sensible than I am. I'm just like burn it down, burn it down.
0: <laughs> and I'm not saying that's not the best idea. I mean, there's probably a part of me that, that thinks that that maybe is the best thing to do. I just, I just am trying to, I'm trying to be. Uh, you know, it's always the. That's why I've always thought that you can't have, uh, and you don't really see it anymore, but. In the days when you'd have the same guy, the same one person be a head coach and a general manager, I said that's just that can't work because the head coach is always worried about what's going to happen today and is trying to win as much as he can for uh, for today. The general manager has to be worried about what's going to happen for tomorrow, and you, and you just got different uh, motivations and different uh, um, you know different uh, perspectives that you have for those two positions. It's tough to find one guy that can have uh, that can that can do both things. So now you've got to. You know, Chauncey's, uh, you know, the first year of a long-term deal, so you figure he's secure and he's not going to be judged too heavily on whatever happens this season. That you would think, uh, but uh, but does he know who his boss is going to be? I mean, and that's that's not just his immediate boss, but his boss is above that too. So it's uh, so he's he's I'm sure he'd like some uh, some answers about where things are going for <laughs> you know for the long haul too. So uh, he's 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 just like a lot of Blazer fans right now trying to figure out you know where is this franchise and 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 what uh, I just um, I wish that. You know, I mean, I know Paul didn't have a lot of uh, uh, press conferences where he was very revealing with uh, with what uh, kind of questions he would take and what kind of comments he would make. But uh, but it, it was funny to hear even some Seahawks fans talk about you know the future of that that franchise and, and kind of talking about the same owner. You know, they, they I heard Seahawk fans say, "Well, we just don't know what Jody's going to do with the with the Seahawks long term." And I said, "Well, that's uh, you know you you you've got you can get uh, Blazer fans to commiserate with the uh, Seahawks fans right now about uh, you know neither fan base knows where." Uh, where their, where their team is going long-term because they don't know what the thoughts are of the present owner that's, uh, that, that is in charge of both teams. So it's, um, and I don't know that we're going to know anything. I just don't know if, uh, and even if there's somebody that's trying to uh, prod or, or convince Jody to have a press conference, I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't see her doing it. Uh, I don't see Bert Cole doing it as, uh, you know, one of her uh, trusted, uh, you know, confidants. So um, I, I just don't know, you know, Beyond what happened at the practice facility when uh, Dwayne Hankins and Joe Cronin uh, held court that one day uh, with Chauncey, I, I don't think you're going to have anything uh, more elaborate or more, uh, more specific than that in terms of trying to identify where this uh, franchise is headed long term. So we're all going to be guessing, and those guys might be guessing just as much as anybody.
1: That's one of the reasons why I always say, say what you want about Jerry Jones and Mark Cuban, but they are present. You know what they think. You know what their plans are. Yeah, I mean Jerry Jones looks for cameras, right? Hey, where's the cameras? I can't, no one's talked to me in 24 hours. I need to talk to somebody. And well, he's got people, his own weekly.
0: He's got his own weekly radio show. Yeah, so, exactly. so, so you don't exactly. have to worry about him. Uh, you know, deciding that he wants to talk publicly exactly. about things. I mean, so it's it's a. And some people like that. Other people, you know, would always tell me, "Well, how about the Spurs? All the years they were great. You know, you never heard Peter Holt have a uh, press conferences. Many people don't even know the owner's name of the of the Spurs because he, he's never." you know, he never sought the the limelight or anything, And uh, but maybe that's, you know, maybe that's just the way things work. There was the nothing for him to work.
1: talk we, about. There was yeah, nothing for him to talk about. Right. You had Duncan, you had, you had David Robinson, then you had Duncan and Kawhi. What was he to talk about? They were winning it championships.
0: Sta- it was a stable, boring <laughs> franchise. They, <laughs> yeah. didn't, they didn't have any, they didn't have anything, uh, any crazy, you know, day-to-day uh, excitement uh, that uh, the, the, the Blazers are experiencing right now and have for, for quite some time. So, um, I just don't know. I mean, it's it's tough to, I always felt when I worked there that, uh, you know, the people that had to worry about selling tickets and selling uh, um, sponsorship packages and so forth, uh, you know what, what are they what are they being told to tell people uh, you know when 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 obviously these folks uh, want to know why should I invest my money uh, in, uh, in, in, in putting down some um, you know some uh, some uh, uh, something for the present and the future for this franchise unless I know what the present and the future of the franchise is supposed to be? I mean I can understand those are fair questions and I just don't know what the day-to-day people are, are supposed to tell uh, the folks that want to have those answers because I'm not sure that they have the answers either.
1: Agreed. So, what I think is going to happen, and this this is based on some conversations I've had, is that they're they're definitely going to look to try and retool the way Golden State did when Curry missed that one year, and then Clay has missed two years, right? So now they kind of blew the Wiseman pick. I mean, it looks like they should have taken Lamelo probably, mm-hmm. or you know, someone else even. Um, so we'll see how Wiseman works out for them, but there was a chance, there was a situation where you had major injuries, you got the number two pick. Um, so, you know, if I'm Portland, I'm doing what I need to do to assure that I'm going to get a to- a high, a high, high pick, like it's gotta be top five. And, and I think the path to doing that, the first, the first step is moving Nurkic and Covington because those guys are good enough to win a company with Anthony, who we'll talk about in a second. They're good enough to win enough games to make you mess around with the play-in because the play-in round is so available because the West at the bottom is just garbage right now. The plan teams the 10 and 11 in the East are 20 and 21 Boston, Boston and New York. So they're battling for that play-in round spot right now, the final one and Atlanta, 17 and 22 in the West. Hold on a second here. In the West, you have Portland. Right now, is tenth at sixteen and twenty-four, and then right behind them are San Antonio and Sacramento, fifteen and twenty-five and twenty-six and twenty-seven. So, the Blazers could mess around and get in the plan. Now, that still would put you in the lottery. But if you're in the plan, that means you're ahead of at least five teams in the West, and in the East, you have the two worst teams in the league. So you're looking at eight, nine, 10th pick as opposed to three, four, five. And so for me, I'm shedding all veterans that I'm not going to bring back. And I'm going with the youngsters and I'm getting second round. If I have to trade Nerkers for a late first or a second round pick, I'm doing it. If I have to trade Covington, I'm doing it because I'm not bringing them back. And that's going to help me lose games. And that may sound horrible, but I don't care because that's how, that's how they're going to – the only way they're going to become a contender – is if they make a big trade involving probably CJ and then they use this pick. If you do that, the other byproduct is that you keep game happy because I still think Damien could next summer look around and go, yeah, we stink. I'm leaving. I want out. We have no chance. I still think that's in play. He denies it at this point, but he can say that now. But if he sat there next year and, and looked around, and was like, there's zero chance we have, we have to contend. We'll be lucky to be 500. Why, why would he stick around? Why would the Blazers even want to have him stick around for three more years at 40, $50 million when you're going to be that bad? So for me, that there, there's no plan beyond that. If they don't follow that plan, if they're actually scrapping and trying to get into the playoffs, then I'm going to criticize that the entire rest of the way. But I don't believe that's what they're thinking at all.
0: Well, you know, and, and there's every reason to think that to be right about that. I mean, again, they, they would never openly admit that I'm sure. Right. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but privately, you know, is that what they're thinking? And I think, I think you know, based on what what happens before the trade deadline, I, you know, I mean, are they looking at this upcoming road trip, for instance, and saying, "Well, let's see what happens. We've been a hor- horrible road team to this point. Uh, let's see how this road trip goes." I mean, are they putting any stock in, in in if they, you know, all of a sudden put forth a few wins and kind of continue their better play of late? And does that does that dictate that okay, well, I guess we we need to you know fight for fight for a playoff spot after all? Uh, no, it means we got trade have- more people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, or, or right. I mean, either they're going to say we're, we're not doing this, we're not doing this tanking thing well enough, and we need to, we need to get more people all, out of here. But, uh, uh, I mean, clearly, you look at Nessir little, little, you look at Danforthy Simons. I mean, these are guys that I think people, uh, win or lose are, are, are excited to see play and, and, and are hopeful probably that these are going to be guys that are going to be with them uh, long term. Um, so, and at least more young guys you could, uh, you could potentially build around. Um, and be part of at least your nucleus going forward. So um, I think it's it's going to be, you know, it's just going to be uh, very fascinating to see how they how they treat this whole thing. And and I just I just don't know. You know, you, you've got, uh, uh, I, I mean, I I know you are you are a huge uh, Chicago sports fan, and uh, and I saw the Bears were criticized heavily for having uh, one of the McCaskey uh, clan uh, taking the stage at uh, at their press <laughs> conference announcing yeah. the the firing of their head coach and, and general manager. And people are saying, what does he know about, you know, going out and getting a replacement to general manager or head coach? And, you know, here he's going to be doing it. And so, and, and you wonder about that. I mean, does, does, does Jody Allen, does Burt Cole, I mean, do these, do these folks as nice as they may be as uh, smart as they may be and in, in other facets of business and life, uh, do they have uh, the instincts necessary to, to make the correct decisions about who should be, uh, you know, who should be in charge of, uh, of, of the fate of, of their franchise. Do they even care if, uh, if the fate of the franchise is uh, is being done properly? I mean, if they're not in it for the long haul, then maybe they don't care. I, I, it's just, again, it's really hard to predict what the motivation is for, uh, you know, for these people that are at the very top of the, uh, you know, of the, uh, of the flow chart for, um, you know, for, for putting this uh, franchise together and, and trying to, you know, have a, have a, uh, a winning prospect for the future. So I, I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's very, very tough to figure out where things are going. And I think uh, we would just be guessing to say that anybody th- says they know, uh, short of somebody that has a direct pipeline to those folks. I, I just think everybody else is guessing. So, uh, so anybody else's guess can be good as the next person, but, uh, but I think, uh, you know, the strategy that you're outlining is not necessarily a bad one and, and probably from a logistical standpoint, probably makes the most sense in terms of, uh, just how to finish out this season in the best way possible to hopefully make uh the next season and beyond, you know, just maybe this have, have this be a one time uh departure from uh your uh your streak of getting to the playoffs and having something to build on where you can actually think that your team is is headed and and, and building itself to a position of of hopefully one day soon challenging to be a, a serious championship contender. I mean look at the Memphis Grizzlies people are asking the question now are they good enough to to compete with the uh, with the Warriors and Suns and and the jazz and, and the top teams in the Western conference, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're obviously winning a ton of games, so 10 in a row as we speak, but are they, are they good enough to be thinking about uh, being in that mix with the best teams in the, in the West? And it wasn't that long ago where people were thinking about, you know, uh, is this a team that could even make the playoffs? So it doesn't take much to, you know, to put some things together and, and uh, all of a sudden be in the mix for, uh, for competing for a championship again, or at least uh, being a, a serious playoff contender. So, he makes smart decisions and I think uh, things can turn around again very quickly. So I guess that's what we're going to find out is what are the decisions this team may, wants to make and will they be the right ones uh, going forward?
1: Very well put. And, you know, you, you bring up the bear's thing. And I laugh because I listened to that press conference and I listen to this in Chicago area uh, radio podcast uh, and their reaction to it, how they make fun of it and mock it. And it's, it's, it's actually comedy. Um, and, and I don't believe that Jody Allen and Burt Coldy necessarily you know, have the the basketball chops to go out and make you know a well informed hire beyond the oh okay well Danny Ainge and that's easy right if Danny Ainge is available you just say oh hire Danny Ainge right um, but if they have to go out and search and vet and look at all these people and try and figure it out you they almost have to hire a firm and or advisors which the Bears have done with like Bill Polian um, to help them through that and then the the other component is Chauncey if, if Chauncey is your coach then the GM you hire has to want to keep Chauncey as the coach. Otherwise, you're just putting Chauncey on the hot seat because most GMs want to hire their own coach. So then you put Chauncey also involved in this search, knowing that they're going to hire someone that he wants to work with as opposed to hiring someone who's going to want to work with him because Chauncey already has the job. So, like, you know, how secure is Chauncey? I think he's secure beyond this year. Beyond that, I don't know, and that could depend on the GM. So, yeah, it's, it's madness. And, and the other part of that, too, is if, if – chauncey is dame's guy then a gm can't come in and mess with chauncey because then dame's gonna be pissed and then (laughs) if you mess with chauncey then dame's probably gonna want to leave right so it's just there's all these different moving parts that are just both you know mesmerizing and horrifying at the same time uh but i do want to touch more on something you brought up you brought up the young the young talent anthony simons and nasir little we all know there's been a lot of criticism about Neil O'Shea for a variety of different reasons. He was fired for creating a toxic work environment, according to an investigation. There's been a lot of criticism of his drafting prowess, but the fact that these two guys are emerging the way they are makes the criticism of his drafting prowess a little bit more difficult. Simon, so far this year, twenty seven points, seven assists. He's been amazing, and Nasir has been a you know a special part of the rotation for a while. Let me ask you this, you know, again, this is kind of a loaded question, they're going a lot of different ways, but how tightly would you hold on to those two and not include them in a deal for someone and how good must that person they acquire be to include either of these two young men in any kind of trade?
0: I don't think they are so good that uh, you would say they're, they're, they're an untouchable. And it's um, untouchable.
1: You saw my tweet. I know you did. I'm standing by it. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wanted to throw that in there uh, just to make sure you knew I was paying attention. But uh, uh, it, 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 I think, you know, they they've made great progress and so forth. I think that the tough thing that happened with Neil is, is not so much with the draft choices, but I think with, with CJ, for instance, I think he just started falling in love with his own, you know, his own people. And I think for a general manager, you can't you can't let that happen because you have to be in a position where you have to be able to, to, to look at things objectively. And if you're too, you know, if, if you become a fan too much of the people you bring in, then you may never want to make a change. And, and there, there's something to be said for continuity of personnel and so forth. And a lot of the the the, the winning teams in, in sports uh, have a, a lot of uh, uh, stability with their rosters from year to year. Uh, but by the same token, when when something needs to be tweaked or when you're in a situation where, um, you know, you, you don't necessarily have the most attractive free agent destination uh, that's available, uh, then maybe trades and draft and, and choices are going to be the way that you can go about improving your team. So so maybe, uh, and, and we don't know every deal that was ever offered to uh, to Neil involving CJ, but I just got the impression that he felt that that he, he was untouchable, and, and I just don't know that but CJ, I, I, you know, based on his salary, I, I think we'd have to say that he has not lived up to that salary. Yeah, I think with CJ, uh, you've got a guy that I, I think has been uh, a good uh, complement to, to Damien as uh, the second uh, best scorer on this team. But I think when you consider the contract that he's uh, that he's had, that's more commensurate with somebody that would be the top player on most teams. So, uh, so from that standpoint, I don't think he's delivering to that extent. And that may make it harder to move him, uh, unless you're going to pick up a guy from another team that maybe is is not quite living up to the uh, extent of maybe a uh, hefty contract that 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 that, that he's uh, uh, that he's taking home. So right. from that standpoint, you know, there's there's decisions to be made, and and obviously, if 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 you are still convinced that Damien is the is the face of your franchise, and you still want him to be going forward, then you have to make sure that he's on board with whatever you know whatever moves are being made. And I don't get the sense that he's you know just in the way of anything, but. I think he just wants to make sure that everybody is going in the same direction. If they're, if they're all pulling in the same direction, if they're all trying to do whatever is necessary to compete for a championship, I think Damien's going to be happy with whatever, whatever's being done. But uh, again, who's going to be making those moves? Is it going to be present uh, management? Is it going to be somebody new? Uh, these are all things that still are to be decided. So it's a, uh, it's not exactly, uh, it's not exactly a short uh, checklist of things to be decided, uh, to figure out where the Blazers are going, what the, what this team is going to look like going forward, really, from from uh, ownership on down, uh, to figure out uh, who the who the personnel are going to be that they're going to be making these decisions and and setting up the future of this franchise.
1: You are listening to the Blazer Focus podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. I mean, the whole CJ thing is been funny to me because a lot of people say that Neil thought he was or Neil would say he was untouchable. But I always felt he meant that he was untouchable unless it was for someone who was gonna clearly put them over the top. Like CJ for Paul George done. CJ for Siakam done. CJ for Durant done, right? CJ for, you know, Matthew Brogdon and Karis Levert. No. CJ for, you know, other guys who are good but not, you know, no. So that's always been my feeling on that. As for Ant and Nasir, the th- the thing, the wild card with Anthony right now, especially with Dame being out, is that he is going to one elevate his own value because he's going to be a restricted free agent, right? And then two, he's elevating his trade value, which makes him very attractive to other teams, probably way more attractive than CJ probably if he continues what he's doing because he doesn't make that much now. And then he's going to be restricted, which means whoever acquires him can match whatever. And you'd probably think, well, I'd rather pay Ant for a 20 a year than pay CJ 33 a year, right? Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see how they navigate that. Do they say, well, we're going to keep him because we want him to play with Dame? Um, or be our first guard off the bench with Dame and whomever, with Powell maybe, and and or in three years when Dame's done, what have you, now Ant is our face of the franchise. Like That's going to be interesting to see because there's no way teams out there who are looking to rebuild, like say Indiana right now. If I'm Indiana and I'm rebuilding and I've got Sabonis out there and Portland is offering me Anthony Simons, Nurkic, and Covington, so salaries match, and those are two expiring deals, how do I say no to that? If, if Anthony could, keeps doing what he's doing for the next three weeks, how do I say no to that? I'm getting a young potential star guard and I'm getting two expiring contracts and I'm giving up a guy I'm trying to move anyway. Are they going to really do better than that? I don't know. And if you're Portland, how do you say no to getting an all-star big like that to pair with game moving forward? Like, it, It's just going to be really a fascinating situation to see what they do with those two because they're both on the rise, which makes them very appealing to other teams.
0: Well, just to add to the soap opera elements of things. Uh, when you're talking about the Pacers, the only reason you might say no to that is that uh, the belief that some people have that uh, Kevin Pritchard doesn't want to make any deals with the uh, with the Blazers. Now, Boo! Whether, that's, whether, whether, <laughs> whether that's true or not, and I and I think I think it really would be shortchanging things on his part. I mean, you know, even if you've got some uh, personal grudge against the uh, organization, that lets you go at uh, some time or another. Uh, I just I think you know if, if that te- if that team can help you become a better franchise. I think you got to swallow your pride at that point and still make a deal. But some people think that uh, he'll never he'll never come around uh, like That's the Blazers that they never had a, a true chance to get Paul George because he was never right. going to he never going to deal with the Blazers. So, who knows? It's a, you know, I mean, I, I do remember once at one time that uh, Kevin McHale actually admitted that when he was uh, when he was president of the Timberwolves that he was never going to make a deal with the Lakers. He just was never going to make one because he he went back to his Celtic days and just was never going to make a deal that potentially would make the Lakers better, even if he, felt he was getting the better of the deal uh, on paper. So I think. So I- bad. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're
1: To me, if you're the owner of the team and you make that decision, fine. You're the owner. You're not going anywhere. If you're just a, a hired, you know, uh, employee like the GM, like if I'm the owner and I heard that, I'd be like, what? What are you doing?
0: Yeah. You got to get over, <laughs> wait,
1: that. You yeah, get over wait, that. The Lakers are going to give us what? And you're saying no because you want to trade with your buddy, Danny Ames but you don't want to trade. What are you talking about? I'd be like, you're fired. First of all, you're fired and I'll make the deal myself. Yeah. Anyway, we digress, but uh, but it's it's just going to be interesting to see what happens with those two. Um, So let me ask you this. Uh, You know, Lillard has made it clear he wants to win here. Um, Do you think, though, that for a player of his caliber, that if it can't be done, that it's it's better for a player to go somewhere else and try and win. And I say that because last summer, or summer actually of twenty during the bubble, I did an article and I went back and I looked the last like I think I went back fifty years uh, at least forty. And I was trying to find players, all-star caliber, superstar Hall of Fame players who never won a title and stayed with their team their entire career. Never won a title is key. There's a lot of people who stayed with their team and won titles like Duncan, Shaq, Magic, or excuse me, Duncan, Magic, and uh, Kobe and others. Um, But to find two megastars who stayed, and the only two are Stockton and Reggie Miller. Now, you can count, and I kind of count Patrick Ewing because Ewing left when he was like thirty-seven and went to didn't he go to Boston or Toronto or something ridiculous like that? Like, but he was way past his prime.
0: So yeah, a, Seattle, Seattle, that? yeah. One. And then yeah. Dominique
1: left Atlanta again, way past his prime. Like they weren't going somewhere where they actually could win. They were just continuing to play a couple more years. So I almost count those two because they were their their superstar powers were exhausted in their original team. Carl Malone, though, he went to LA and tried to win a title. He was still actually pretty good. He doesn't count. Shaq, of course, but went to Miami and then went. To half the NBA, right? Um, So anyway, and plus he was in Orlando first, thing it was doesn't matter. But my point is, it, Reggie Miller and Stockton are really the only two. So, so wouldn't it make more sense for Dame to at some point want to go somewhere and win a title, sort of like what Drexler did? I
0: don't think anybody could blame uh, them. I mean, I don't think anybody could say you know he he didn't give us his all. He didn't he didn't he didn't do what he could for this franchise. I don't right. think anybody. I mean, if he left tomorrow, I don't think anybody could say that. So so from the standpoint of However, much longer from here on out, that he would give a chance for things to happen here. Um, I mean, loyalty is one thing, but I, I don't think anybody would blame him if, if he felt at some point, look, I'm not getting any younger. I, 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 you know, I, I, I got involved in this to try to win a championship, and I, ideally, I wanted it to happen uh, in the, uh, you know, with the team that drafted me, and everybody, you know, appreciates that, that kind of loyalty. But if it's not going to happen, and not through any anything that he did wrong, uh, you know, if if, 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 the, if the team just didn't provide him with the uh with the necessary uh complement of players to to make that uh, a a, you know a reasonable objective then i think uh uh, nobody nobody could blame him if he decided that look i gave it a chance i gave it more than a chance probably more than most people would have and i'm sorry i just got to go somewhere else to try to salvage a championship before i before i get to be uh you know old and gray and and uh (laughs) look back and look back and say that i you know maybe could have gone somewhere else to get a ring and um and I, i just couldn't couldn't make it happen so um but I, I, I think um, you know if you're if you're the uh, if you're the blazers I think you have to do everything possible to try to not only maximize his time but also to uh, to try to uh, reward that loyalty that he is that he has shown from day one uh, since you drafted him but uh, but yeah if, it, if it's not gonna happen uh, and a few years down the line he's no closer to making it happen uh, with the, whatever moves are being made I don't think anybody could blame him if he decided that uh, I'm sorry I just uh, you know I, I love you I love all you guys but I got to go somewhere and try to make it happen somewhere else because apparently it's not going to happen here.
1: Now check this out. This will show you how devious my mind is. <laughs> let's say, let's say they can't pull off a splashy deal at the deadline. They pull off some small ones, but nothing splashy in the trade. You know, there's no, there's no draft trade that anyone wants their pick, you know, for a star player. So they go ahead, they take the pick and it turns out to be a good player. So you're young. You got Anfernee. you got Nasir. you got this draft pick. Um, you're moving forward with that, and Dame looks around. He's like, "Man, we know we're not going to win." The Blazers are like, "You're right, we're not going to win." So they decide mutually to trade Dame, but they trade him with the plan to bring him back in a couple of years. So exact, which is exactly what Cleveland did. Now, Cleveland, LeBron didn't leave Cleveland thinking he was going back, and Cleveland was certainly pissed when he left. So they weren't thinking he was ever going to come back. But LeBron went to Miami. And in the process, Cleveland ended up earning three number one picks. Now, they blew one on Bennett, and then they used one for Kyrie, and then they had the other one when uh, LeBron went back, and they traded that for love. So, Dane has two years left on his contract after this year, plus a player, I think a player or a team option. I can't remember. He can go somewhere else, chase a championship for two seasons. <clears throat> the Blazers can use that high pick, still develop, Anthony is still developing this year, probably get another good pick would have tons of cap space and then bring back Dame and maybe someone else to try and make late run-ins career, sort of like what Chris Paul is doing in Phoenix. What say you?
0: It'd be great. I mean, I don't think that would be, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I you know, you, you have to obviously have a wink, wink, uh, you know, for that one, uh, you know, if, uh, if Davian is, uh, you know, is truly going to uh, be on board with it. Uh, you, you couldn't get anything too. uh, you know, too uh, too much. Uh, you know, in ink anyway. Uh, the uh, in terms of what's agreed upon, but uh, but I think I think that would be fabulous if it happened. And I I think every Glacier family would be ecstatic if they, they as disappointed as they would be for seeing Damian leave. If they if they saw him come back a couple of years later to a team that's a lot more prepared to win when he still has something left to give, uh, I think uh, people would be ecstatic if that if that ended up happening. And I think they would just as the uh, Cavaliers got over uh, LeBron leaving uh, the first time. I don't think they, you know, the fans quickly got over uh, any problems that uh, that that uh, that might they might have felt, or any jerseys they might have burned uh, when he when he left the first time. And I think they were able to welcome him back. and And gosh darn it, he ended up, uh, you know, leading them to a championship. And if Damien came came back and and the Blazers actually won a championship under those parameters, I don't think anybody would remember that he ever left in the first place.
1: Hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm 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 a type out that. Uh... That proposal, and I'm going to send it in <laughs> triplicate to Cronin, Billups, and um, Damien, and I'll see c- c- it to Jody. and can see if it makes it her way. And just say, hey, here's my plan. You can just call it the Fincher's plan moving forward, and uh um, works out.
0: The <laughs> Fincher's plan, yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm on full
1: credit in a ring when it happens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think that would yeah. be too much to ask. I don't think it would be too <laughs> <Yeah>. much to
1: ask. <laughs> um, what, uh, what, do you, what did you make? I mean, you you were with the organization for a long time. What did you just make of because we talked last i came on in the spring right like right around the trade deadline i think with on your mm-hmm. podcast and so obviously just all hell's broken loose since yes but, yeah. just, <laughs> but just looking at what's happened with with thoughts being fired and then uh the controversial hire at billups and then um uh, neil being gone and changing you know mcgowan resigning like just yeah, you know, I'm again. I'm not. I'm not asking you to say anything that would be you know detrimental, you know, or anything like that. But just, just your impressions of what has happened to this franchise in the last nine months. It's just wild. I, I want to go. Like, I want to go cover preps or something. This is just too much work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you thought you were getting the easy gig. Uh, I know. Like, <laughs> this is way too much work. <laughs> yeah, there, nothing happens in the NBA. It's, it's a pretty much routine uh, night in, night out. But uh, yeah, you, you forgot it's Portland, though. That's, uh, that's the same thing. Seems, things seem to happen here. But uh, but yeah, I think even for even for a relation franchise that's had some interesting news made over the years, uh, this has been quite a uh, quite a series of months. With uh, as I said, I can't remember any franchise losing its uh, uh, president of business operations and president of basketball operations uh, within uh, you know a, a month's you know, period of time on a calendar. Uh, and it's uh, it's been very Very strange to see how it all uh, came about and then to see, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, I I think Blazer fans get nervous when they sense instability uh, as I guess any fan base would, but especially uh, when, you know, they, I don't think there's any danger of the the Blazers ever moving anywhere else. I don't think that's ever going to happen. There might've been a time where maybe Blazer fans had to worry about that, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. But, uh, but, you know, I think they would love to hear somebody step up uh, in in an important position and say, you know we are committed to me you know, Portland we are committed to, to doing what we can to bring a championship to you know to, to this uh, city and this uh this, this area and so forth but I just don't know that they're going to hear that from uh from present ownership and and I'm not sure that uh, that's going to change and so um, if the team ever became you know ever came up for sale I'm sure that there would not be any lack of candidates uh, for for folks to 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 want to purchase the club I'm sure the NBA would want to uh, make sure that it's uh, going to be an ownership group that is committed to keeping uh, you know the team in the, in the Northwest so I don't know if there's any danger of, of them leaving but but I think just uh, just the feeling that um, you know I don't think Blazer fans want to have any sense that that they they have an ownership group that isn't in it uh, all the way and that they're not they're not uh, committed to, to doing what they can to try to bring a, a championship and then get back to you know my first two seasons uh, you know the team made the conference finals uh, each year. And I thought, well, this is going to be the way things will always be. And then they went, uh, what, 14 years without getting to the playoffs right. after, after those first two. Uh, so, you know, it, things can get uh, very tenuous uh, in a short amount of time. And so so um, uh, things can change quickly, and, and that can be good and bad. Uh, but right now, I think uh, just some sort of stability, some sort of an idea of what, what, what the direction is of this franchise going forward. I think that's all Glacier fans really want to know at this point in time. And I'm just not sure. How soon they're going to be able to get the comfort of of whatever knowing that is going to be because I I just don't know that again I don't know if the, I don't know if the ownership people themselves know uh, <laughs> what, what that's going to be so it's kind of hard for them to relay it to somebody else but uh, but I, I hope that for their sake because it's been a, it's been a loyal fan base for for a lot of years and so I would hope that uh, whatever they need to hear to feel feel good about where their team is and where it's going for the future I just hope that they get that that feeling of comfort uh, sometime soon because they certainly deserve to have it.
1: Absolutely, and you know the the attendance hasn't been good right at all, but yeah. the fans who are there are into it like and and you know they like it, it jumped out to me these past few games, especially since they won three out of five, um that those who are coming, it doesn't matter who's on the court, <laughs> you know what I'm saying that they they're they're cheering and they're energetic and they're pumped up and uh, they're embracing Anthony, who's just been amazing, as we all know. Um, so it's good to see. It's good to see that there's enthusiasm is still there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's the old adage of uh, you know the uh, name on the on, on the front of the jersey as opposed to the one on the back. And so, right. uh, whatever, whatever the case, uh, it's nice to know that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Blazer fans have ever been too uh, um, you know too unreasonable with what their expectations and what their hopes are for uh, uh, the team they want to support. So. I think they've, uh, they haven't asked for much. They haven't always been given as much as they, they, they probably have deserved. But, um, I think they're a pretty easy group to please, uh, you know, for the most part. So I think, you know, just put, uh, you know, just to show that you care and, and put some good people on the, on the court and, uh, people that behave in the community and, uh, and are, uh, trying to, you know, be successful as a franchise. I think that's, uh, that's all, that's all the fans want to know, uh, is, is going on. And if they, if they see that, I think that, you know, then they, they, they're going to be there with their support and, uh, they're not gonna. They're not gonna need much else beyond that to know that, uh, you know, they're gonna be there as loyal as they always have been. Right. Exactly.
1: All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on and uh, hashing this out on a big breaking news day in, in the Blazers' world. We'll see how this shakes out with uh, Damian Lillard and his energy will energy his injury will he be out for just a couple months or will he be out for the rest of the season I mean heck if he's out for six to eight weeks if it's eight weeks that takes us into March which means there's going to be like a several weeks remaining in the season who knows maybe he would come back to just to, to play just to play knowing that you know that it probably won't matter in terms of the wins and losses which I think you want to lose more than you want to win that's just me though but anyway I appreciate you coming on man thanks a lot.
0: Well, I don't know if we uh, answered any questions. We probably raised a few more, but uh, <laughs> but if, if nothing else, I think we at least uh, uh, gave everybody a pretty good idea what the scope of uh, of uh, life as a Blazer fan right now is. And so it's, uh, it's an interesting time, that's for sure. And it uh, may get even more so before uh, a lot of uh, questions get answered. But uh, but that's where we're at. And I think uh, you know it's going to be uh, very, very fascinating to see where things go from here.
1: Absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening to the Blazer Focus podcast. I'm Eric Finchers. He is my guest today, Brian Wheeler. Be sure to click the subscribe button and give us a five, a star rating. I appreciate that. And we will see you next time. While uh, we will be, I'll be talking to you after this team goes out on this treacherous six game road trip. They play 10 of 12 on the road. I think after this 12 game stretch is over, this team will be probably around 12 or 13 games under 500. And the season will be pretty much lost. We shall see. Catch you next time.